Good morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We continue, we jump back into our series and our study entitled, Who is the Holy Spirit? As we lead our way up to Pentecost Sunday, we're looking at what the Holy Spirit has done, who the Holy Spirit is. We've seen that the Holy Spirit in us and with us today, looking at the Holy Spirit through us. Looking at a, a number of things that the Holy Spirit brings and gives and provides so far in previous weeks, we've seen the Holy Spirit brings freedom and peace and fellowship and wisdom, giving power and love and perspective. Today we continue the title, The Holy Spirit Through Us. In the summer of 1906, the Apostolic Faith Mission on Azusa Street in Los Angeles, later called the Azusa Street Mission, erupted into a spirit-filled revival, different in scope and fervor from any revival that had taken place before. The spiritual intensity for the Azusa Street revival was red hot for over two years before beginning to cool off. During that time, virtually everyone who was anyone within the emerging Pentecostal movement felt its impact. People traveled hundreds of miles, even thousands of miles perhaps, to see firsthand what was taking place. Like any major move of God, many rejoiced, some were curious, some were skeptical, some were critical. Sounds an awful lot like the day of Pentecost as the Holy Spirit was poured out. One thing is certain, the Azusa Street Mission quickly became Grand Central Station of global Pentecostalism. Many Pentecostal fellowships have their roots at Azusa. But understand, as we take just a brief look back, reflecting on the move of God and the move of the Holy Spirit, in the Azusa Street Revival, understand that spiritual heritage is great, but it's not enough. To be able to look back and to see what God has done in the past is awesome, and we ought to do that. But it's not enough. You and I, no matter our parent, no matter our grandparent, no matter our pastor, our leader, our missionary, no matter what has taken place in our past, you and I need a personal relationship and a personal experience with the Holy Spirit. Every individual, every generation, if you would, needs its own Pentecost. As much as we look back, and certainly in the Assemblies of God movement, Assemblies of God founded in 1914, and we look at 100 plus years of the Assemblies of God, and we say, praise God for that. Many of you can look back to previous years, uh, previous decades, and say, thank you, God, for what's taken place in the past, and we need to do that. But as well, each of us need that personal relationship with God. Each of us need to have that personal experience with the Holy Spirit. Now, what the Holy Spirit does doesn't necessarily conform to the exact pattern of what took place in the Azusa Street Revival. But I trust you're hungry. I, I trust that we are hungry for an experience in the context of today's culture where God's presence is so real People see their need for him and turn to him for salvation. That Christians recognize their need for the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. So powerful that hurting people turn to him and recognize that there is help, there is 
healing, there is provision. And that the urgency to reach people becomes overwhelming. We need the power of God. We need the experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives individually and personally. Not just to look back. Not just to look back and say, here's what God has done. Here's the move of the Holy Spirit in the past. But to say, here's what God has done. Here's the move of the Holy Spirit in my life, in our life, in our family, in our church, in our culture today. He is still moving and working. So we lead up to next week, Pentecost Sunday. And so today, the Holy Spirit through us. We'll examine a few more actions of the Holy Spirit as we prepare our hearts for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and, and seeking that. So today, as we take a look, a handful of actions. Action number one is that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. John chapter 16, verse 8 says, And when he, this is Jesus saying, when he or the Holy Spirit comes... He will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The Holy Spirit working through us helps us and convicts us. Convicting the world of sin helps us hopefully to respond to sin, confess our sins quickly, to live a more victorious life and to be a people of conviction. Having the, the Holy Spirit in your heart, in your life, that nudge, that convicting power when you've done something wrong, is, it's not just, well, the twinge of a conscience. It's that Holy Spirit nudging you, convicting. Now, conviction is good. Understand a handful of things about what conviction is and is not. A, last time together, we looked at a few different things between conviction and guilt. We'll stay on conviction. Conviction is not just a guilty conscience. You can do something wrong, and, and there's, you know, a lot of different people have this thought or this feeling of right and wrong. You do something wrong, and there's this guilty conscience. It's more than just a guilty conscience when the Holy Spirit convicts. It's not just a sense of nervousness. That maybe you've experienced when you do something wrong and the, the Holy Spirit nudges your heart. There's a little nervousness because you know what you've done. You know it's been wrong. You know you've gone against God. But anytime you're nervous doesn't necessarily mean that it is conviction. So it's not quite the sense of nervousness or only a sense of nervousness. And it's not just a knowledge of right and wrong. What a handful of things that conviction is. Conviction is you and I feeling the weight of sin. Feeling the weight, feeling the gravity, feeling the importance of sin. Isaiah puts it this way in chapter 6, verse 5. Isaiah said, it's all over. I am doomed. I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips. I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. You want to talk about conviction? Isaiah is saying, I've sinned. And collectively, we have sinned, and yet we're in the presence of an almighty, all-powerful, and a holy God. He is sensing and feeling the gravity and the weight of sin in his life. That's a part of conviction. When you've sensed that nudge, you've sensed that conviction, it's not just, ah, 
right and wrong. There's this nudge. There's this weight where we understand by doing something wrong, the gravity of sin, the weight of sin is attached to it. Part of that is the conviction, feeling the weight of sin. Another description of conviction is experiencing the misery of sin. Certainly, God's word says, and the reality is, that sin is fleeting. It is, it is you know, enjoyable for a season. But the long-term effect is misery. Joseph encountered this, Genesis chapter 39, verse 9, as he was trapped and ensnared, if you remember. And in his interaction there with Potiphar's wife, he says, No one here has more authority than I do. He, meaning Potiphar, has held nothing back from me except you because you are his wife. How can I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. The misery of sin is not just to say, oops, I messed up. But the misery of sin is I've sinned against God. Sometimes you've done maybe a little error. You've done a little mistake. You're, you're doing a project around the house. You're doing a, a project for school. And maybe it's something only you see. You mess up, and it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, right? Any of you ever messed up, and no one saw it, nobody caught you, right? You're doing a house project. You're fixing the car. You're, you know, you're putting some holes in the wall. Nobody sees it. No big deal. But when someone sees you and when you're giving a, a report in the front of the class and you mess up, there's a little bit more of a weight, a little bit more of a misery because of how you've messed up. When, when you say something or do something, whether it's with a spouse, a, a best friend, a family member, and you see this visible reaction in their response, it's not just that nobody saw it. Now, in the midst of somebody or a whole bunch of somebodies, there is this misery of what you've done. Joseph is saying, it's not just that I'm sinning and nobody sees. And it's not just that it's me and you, Potiphar's wife. There's no name for Potiphar's wife. We'll just call her the wife. He's saying, in the presence of God, God sees, God knows, and there's this misery that if I sin, he's going to know. I'm not going to sin against my God. Convictions, feeling the weight of sin, experiencing the misery of sin, and understanding how our sin dishonors God. Many times it's just, oh, well, it's, it's just a wrong, and it's your opinion versus mine. Sin is dishonoring God. Psalms 51.4 says, against you and you alone, the psalmist writes and, and speaks to God. He says, against you, God, and you alone have I sinned. I've done what's evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. Again, so many times we think when we do wrong, it's merely I'm doing something against this person. I've said something against you. I did something to you, and it's just you and me. Sin is so much deeper than that. Our sin not just has consequences with other individuals, but our sin ultimately dishonors God. And so as the Holy Spirit comes and prompts and nudges our heart, it's helping us and convicting us to say that that sin is against God. 
sin dishonors him. Now, conviction, though it seems to be a little bit of a challenge, conviction is a good thing. That nudge, that gentle nudge to say convicting of sin, let's not do that, let's not say that, let's not go here and do that as we serve God. The goal is to wholeheartedly serve him. The Holy Spirit helps us and nudges us and convicts us to know that we're living in the will of God. Once we move outside of his will, there's that nudging and the correction, the convicting of the Holy Spirit, guiding us from that wrong direction and nudging us and convicting us towards the right direction. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Secondly, another action of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit guides us. A little later in that chapter, John chapter 16, Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit, he says, When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and will tell you what is yet to come. How many of you are awesome with directions? And how many of you are a little clueless when it comes to directions? Okay, we got a whole lot more hands for that. Okay, clueless. As in, you can't just, you know, go driving out in a car and you're going to make your way. You need something printed. You need something written. You need that GPS on your phone or that GPS in your car. You need some help. Chances are good we've all gotten lost, even sometimes with some of those situations, right? Or because of them, yes. You have, a, you have a map, and maybe you're holding it upside down, or maybe you've got a GPS and you, you typed in the wrong address. Uh, just a week or so ago, I was with a minister friend of mine, and, and we were heading to lunch together, and, and he dialed in. We were at network conference, and he dialed in a restaurant that was uh, probably five minutes or so away, five, ten minutes. And I, I noticed, you know, you kind of get used to maybe what your phone sounds like when it gives directions. And this one sounded different, and I commented it. He had picked uh, someone with an Australian voice. You know, you can get some of those things. I think you can you pay or download. You can get a celebrity, or you can get people from some of the different nations or countries. And so this was an individual with that Australian accent telling us when to turn left and when to turn right. Now, we weren't that far away. Five, ten minutes, uh, but there's a lot of different uh, roads and streets and restaurants, and you need that guidance in that direction, even if it's from someone down under, to let you know how to get where you're wanting to go. You and I need some help. I would venture to say we've gotten lost, sometimes without those maps, sometimes with those maps, or has been said, because of them. But in our lives, spiritually, we need a guidance and a direction. The Holy Spirit helps to guide us. Holy Spirit's present and active in many of those crossroads that we face. You're driving around town, you're driving in a highway, and, and there's this, you know, Y in the road. The highway splits, or there's an exit, and you're looking at it. Have you ever been in one of those situations where right about the time you needed to know what you were to do, that phone or that GPS lost its signal, and it was like recalculating, and it's just frozen. 
And, and frantically, you're trying to figure out left or right, right or left. And, you know, you pick one and invariably we pick the wrong one. We need guidance. We need direction, not just to go left or right in a street or on a highway. We need the direction of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. His guidance about our future is best because he's already in our future Turn and allow him to lead and guide us. Give him a greater capacity to influence the decisions regarding your future. So many times we say, well, I got things figured out. Whether you're a child, young person, young adult or adult, many times we say, I've got things figured out. We've got a a one-year plan or a five-year plan or a 10-year plan, and here's what I'm going to do. And if we're not careful, we plunge straight ahead with our decisions, our will, and we don't allow the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct us. So certainly God uses a variety of methods and ways to guide us. Certainly, primarily, he's going to use his word. As we read and as we learn, as we study in the word of God, he will lead us and guide us through his word. But the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's guidance, and sometimes sometimes it's a gentle nudge. Sometimes maybe you felt as if you've been slapped upside the head with a two-by-four through the power of the Holy Spirit, but that nudge of the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts through prayer and and then many times confirming in circumstances. Now, sometimes we reverse that. If we're not careful, what we do is we look to the circumstances of life and say, it must be God. And so we go backwards. Rather than seeking God and his word and prayer and the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit... And seeing that the circumstances of life oftentimes confirm it, we turn it upside down. And we just simply seek circumstances. And when a circumstance happens, we say, oh, it must be God. God's going to speak through his word. God's going to lead and guide and nudge us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in these other cases, many of these things will be confirmed in circumstances. Many others would say, Well, turn to the conscience. Let your conscience be your guide. Your conscience, your individual personal conscience might not be totally trustworthy. We've got to hear that that whisper sometimes of the Holy Spirit. Now, we'd love if the Holy Spirit had a megaphone or a microphone like this, right? Wouldn't you love to, to hear loud and clear speaker, megaphone, microphone, where you can't miss or overlook the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And at many times, you might refer to it as kind of the soft and gentle whisper, which then sometimes confuses us because then you're saying, well, how do I know when it's the nudge and the whisper of the Holy Spirit, and how do I know when it's just my own thoughts or my own wishes, my own dreams, my own feelings, my own impressions? Here's a few ways to distinguish the Holy Spirit from you. First of all, know that the whisper of the Holy Spirit will always agree with the Word of God. 
What the Holy Spirit nudges you, whispers to you, will always, 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 did I say always? Line up with the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is not going to contradict the Word of God. So, and I'll be a little bit facetious if you allow me to. If you're looking to the Lord and praying to the Lord and seeking the Lord, and you're saying, God, I don't know what to do financially. I've got so many bills, and I don't have enough finances. I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will not turn to you and say, go rob a bank. So the the nudging, the leading of the Holy Spirit is not going to contradict the word of God, which says, do not steal. And on and on and on. But see, sometimes we just, we kind of plunge forward with our own personal thoughts. And we don't really care whether or not it lines up with God or his word because we want what we want. But if you want to know his voice and you want to know what the Holy Spirit's whisper is like, understand the Holy Spirit's whisper will always agree with Scripture. If you sense this leading or guiding or nudging and it's contrary to the Word of God, then reject that. The Holy Spirit will line up with the Word of God. Also, know that the Holy Spirit's whisper is clear when our will is surrendered to God's will. Our will must be surrendered to God's will. So many times we plunge ahead with what we want. And we've said it before many times. We try to help God out. Because our will says, hey, I want this, God. And it doesn't seem like you're doing anything, so let me help you. We can be a little bit better tuned in to the Holy Spirit's nudge and whisper when we surrender our heart and our will to God. And as well, know that the Holy Spirit's whisper distinguishes itself in times of prayer. We plunge ahead day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and we say, God, what are you doing? I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I don't know where to go. He's saying, hey, spend some time with me. In prayer, as we spend time, as we kind of slow down a little bit, and not just to get our words out to him, but to reflect and listen to him. The closeness to God produces that opportunity to hear his voice and discern that nudge and that whisper. So make sure that we're spending time with God. Make sure we're, we're in his presence, we're in his word, we're in prayer. Sometimes the world and the things around us can be so almost deafening. We turn. And everywhere we turn, it's, it's a lot of voices, whether in actual volume or just, you know, so to speak, Are we spending time in the presence of God that we can discern his words, his voice, and his nudge? So the Holy Spirit is convicting us of sin, guiding us. Understand as well, thirdly, that the Holy Spirit will spark a love for the word of God. 
sparks a love for the Word of God. In Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost comes and the, the Holy Spirit is poured out and individuals are baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. Peter begins to speak, and in verse 16 he says, This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. See, the experiences here on the day of Pentecost were a word-associated experience. He's pointing back to and referring back to the Old Testament prophet Joel. He's saying, this is what was prophesied. All of the stuff that we're seeing and experiencing, the prophet Joel was prophesying this is what would take place. And so if you're wanting to know more about this and wanting to know more about the experience and the power of the Holy Spirit, dig in to the Word of God. To experience the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, dig into the Word of God. Now, the early Pentecostals of Azusa Street didn't want experience just for the sake of experience. Now, as in any revival, certainly there can be some excesses or uh, misplaced emphasis. But overall, their quest for a personal encounter with the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit was within the boundaries of the Word of God. One of the writers would say that the leaders of the Azusa Street Mission believed that the Spirit does not go where the Word does not permit. Holy Spirit is in conjunction and connection to the Word of God. And it's prompting and sparking a love for God's Word in our heart. We've got to keep God's Word as that ultimate measuring rod for all that we do. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and drive us and point us and direct us to the Word, opening our eyes and our hearts, illuminating to its meaning. Without that moving and the nudging of the Holy Spirit, it it could seem like just another book. Now, you and I know, you take a look in the Word of God, it says that it's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. This is not just a book. This is not just filled with a handful of some poems and, and some accounts of history and a few letters. It's the living and active Word of God, and the Holy Spirit is going to prompt and hopefully spark a love for the Word of God. Now, George Barna, who studies a lot of churches and individuals and leaders over the years, says the Christian church is having such limited, discernible impact on American culture. It seems that Christians are more affected by society then society is affected by Christians. Why is that, he writes? Perhaps because more than nine out of every ten born-again Christians fail to think like Jesus. They think like the rest of the world, so they naturally behave like the citizens of the world too. They're not the salt and light Jesus commands us to be because they lack the personal commitment and depth of faith that makes them truly changed and God-driven individuals. Challenging words. See, a biblical worldview, looking at the world through this framework of God's Word, 
It helps us interpret those realities of life. And the result of that biblical worldview as we look through the lens of Scripture is we begin to think and act like Jesus. That's how we are to live. So a Spirit-empowered church will be a biblically-based, Word-taught, Word-governing, Word-influenced church. Part of the Holy Spirit is to do what? It convicts us. The Holy Spirit, He convicts us of sin. He guides us. He sparks a love for the Word of God. And today as well, understand that the Holy Spirit inspires us to reach our world. Familiar verse of Scripture in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my what? Witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's not just for those other items. Actions of the Holy Spirit inspires us to reach our world. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not just for a personal blessing. Although it is a blessing, and you are blessed as you receive that gift. But it's not just to say, I checked the box. It's not just to say, I've did it, I've done it, I've got it, I'm good. It's not just about an experience. It's about what? Power to witness, power to share the message of Jesus Christ. So many individuals seek simply the experience, but not the purpose of it. They want maybe the goosebumps, but not necessarily the nudge to share the good news of the gospel. The power of the Holy Spirit comes and inspires us to reach others with the good news of Jesus. We're to be a witness. You've seen many, many television shows and movies with whether it's law and order or other things, and they call witnesses forward, a witness declares what they've seen and heard. You and I might not be called on trial, but we are called to share with others what we've seen, what we've heard, what God's done, how he's changed and transformed our life, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, you'll receive power to do that. And you'll be my witnesses, not just here amongst a handful of people that you're most like and most comfortable with, not just here in Jerusalem, but in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's a whole lot of people who don't know about Jesus, but you and I, we are called to share the good news of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit equips, empowers, and inspires us to reach our world. It said that the baptism in the Holy Spirit should help you speak your native language with clarity to be a witness for Jesus. So many maybe seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit in the aspect of speaking in other languages, speaking in other tongues. That is the initial physical evidence. But the lasting effect is what? To help us speak, for most of us here, English. The language that maybe you might know the best, empowering and equipping you to speak that and to share that, the good news of the gospel with others. In the book of Acts, the disciples shared the good news of Jesus Christ all over the place. They were persecuted, and yet the gospel continued to spread. 
In the Azusa Street Revival, they began to send out missionaries right away so that more people could hear about Jesus Christ. There was an an array of missionaries and ministers and Christian workers. See, Pentecostal is not just to say speaking in tongues. Pentecostal says we're going to react and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And part of that is what? Sharing the good news. It's not to say, wow, I've experienced this, and now I just keep it to myself. I want to bottle it all up for me. Part of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the the power of the Holy Spirit, is equipping and inspiring you to reach others for Jesus Christ. Missions is not just for missionaries. It's for you, and it's for me. Now, Throughout the year here at Alger Assembly of God, we have a variety of missionaries. Some who minister here uh, within the confines of Ohio or the confines of our United States, many that are reaching people all across this world. There's a lot of places you and I will probably never go. But we don't simply say they are the only ones to go. You and I are called to reach others. When we commit our lives, we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we're called to that task of missions, and the Holy Spirit inspires and equips us to reach our world. He dwells within to empower us to be a witness. Sometimes you're not sure what to do. Sometimes you're not sure what to say. And the Holy Spirit equips and encourages to give maybe some of the words to say to share the good news of Jesus Christ. A few more actions of the Holy Spirit today. Understand, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit sparks a love for the Word of God in our lives. And the Holy Spirit inspires us to reach our world.